Welcome to the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ, located in the Lehigh Valley of Pennsylvania. I'm Pastor Mike Landsman, and these podcasts are taken from my weekly Sunday morning sermons. We pray that they will bless you, and we would love for you to come visit us and make our church home, hopefully, become your church home. Here's what we have for today. So we continue. This is part eight, the hard sayings of Jesus. So for me, the worst form of torture would not be a trip to the orthodontist or the dentist. For me, the worst form of torture would be staying up late to watch Christian television, TBN, <laughs> and Daystar. You might say, well, then don't watch. I, I don't have to now because I don't have cable, but uh, back in the old days. Uh, but it's kind of like a car accident. If you like come across it, you kind of just have to stop and like roll down your window and just kind of look. And then you're like, ugh, and you roll it up and you, you know, keep driving and pray. I hope they're okay. Because what's on there is a display of some of the worst forms of chicanery uh, and greed. Um, it's, a, it's, it's appropriate given what we heard about Jesus' words about them having little faith and, and speaking to the mountain and saying, move here and I'd obey you. I'm reminded of a story I heard one of these preachers tell. And they told a story about how they were flying in a plane and uh, a tornado started to form off uh, while they're flying in the air. And uh, the TV preacher looked out the window and rebuked, you know, move from here to there, tornado. And the tornado went away and, and vanished. Brothers and sisters, this verse is especially important to us today, I think, given the spiritual atmosphere that we live in, where people have taken our faith and have used it as a way to gain uh, obscene amounts uh, of wealth for themselves. And I say, brothers and sisters, that these people are, are enemies of the gospel and of our Lord Jesus Christ, because they all have something in common. They see God in a different way than as revealed through Scripture. Remember the movie, right? We all remember the movie. We all saw Aladdin, right? Aladdin, he goes into this magic cave. He finds this lamp. He rubs it, and this blue genie pops out and gives Aladdin three wishes. It can be whatever he wants. These people don't see God as the sovereign creator who made and sustains all things. They see him as a big blue genie who will grant what they want, if they ask the right way. And usually that's attached to something called a seed, plant a seed of money, and God will get you out of debt or some other, or, or some other nonsense. So how are we supposed to understand Jesus' words then? If you have faith, like the grain of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. How are we to understand it, this then? So when we hear this text, we hear them coming down, it says that when they got to the bottom of the mountain. So at the very beginning of chapter 17, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John, and he goes up to the top of the mountain. And we all know this story very well. This is the story of the transfiguration of Jesus Christ. For a few moments, the disciples get a glimpse of the uncreated light shining from the face of Christ. They get a glimpse of his divine glory. 
And Jesus Christ is, as the creed we will confess in a few minutes, as it reminds us, Jesus is light from light, true God from true God. And like Moses before him, the disciples, the three of them, get to see his glory. And they even see Moses on the mountain with them. Like the hymn that we'll sing around Christmas time reminds us, Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity, pleased as man with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. The disciples that see it are appropriately terrified. And this story that we just heard read of unbelief comes right after this. Right after this miraculous encounter where they see Christ unveiled. A man brings his son to Jesus. His son is possessed. And when the evil spirits act through him, they try to throw him into the fire. And he says, I brought him to your disciples and they could not heal them. But remember, brothers and sisters, just a few chapters ago, in chapter 10 of the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus, and he does this in all of the Gospels, what does Jesus give his disciples the authority and the power to do? He gives them the power and the ability to do what they were unable to do with this boy. He gives them power to go out, to preach, to heal the sick, and to cast out evil spirits. There's something about this one, though, that they were unable to heal the boy. They tried, and they couldn't do it, even though Jesus has given them the ability and the power to do so. How does Jesus react? Well, he, he, rightfully with a, a large amount of frustration. You faithless generation. He calls out their lack of faith, and then he heals the boy. Afterwards, the disciples ask Jesus, why couldn't we do it? And this is when Jesus responds with, your faith is too little. Faith like a seed can move mountains. But if faith the size of a seed can move mountains, then their faith probably needs a microscope to see because they were unable to do this. Maybe it was the nature of the boy's affliction. Back then they believed that these types of seizures were brought on by like the moon goddess or like by the phases of the moon. This might be intimidating to them. Who are we to be able to deal with this kind of thing? Maybe it was the pressure of maybe trying to heal in front of a crowd. Maybe the transfiguration had the opposite effect of how we think they would have responded. We just don't know. But we do know, brothers and sisters, that nothing is too hard for Jesus, and no one is beyond his healing power, and there is no evil that can stand against him. One of the interesting things to note here is a contrast between the seed and the mountain. Jesus possibly pointed to the mountain they had just come down from, when they saw him transfigured, you know, a mountain is large. It's difficult to climb. They can be dangerous. Right? This imagery of the mountain is meant to convey all of these things to them. And mountains are impossible to move, right? You can't, you can't just say, when you're like doing construction, right? When they were building the trains to cross America, like they couldn't just say, we're going to take this mountain and we're going to pick it up, put it on a trailer. We're going to move it, move it down the street and we're going to put it over there. Right? You can't move a mountain. It's impossible as roots go down into the deepest parts of the earth. You can drill through it. You can blast through it. But you can't pick it up and move a mountain out of the way. It's impossible. Compared to the mountain, this mustard seed is small. The poppy seed is small, easily lost. It's brittle. And if it's not tended to, what's sprouted can, can die. But Jesus tells him, if you just have that small amount of faith, that size, that minuscule amount of faith is powerful enough to move the immovable. So what does this mean then, brothers and sisters? Are our problems in this life mountains 
and all we have to do is command them in faith and tell our problems to move? Well, no. I think that's beyond the scope of what's going on here in the text. Jesus is reinforcing to his disciples that the power he has given them is enough if they believe. The mountain represents the difficult situations they will come against as they spread the gospel, right? As they preach the good news of Jesus Christ, as they bring this good news, not only to their immediate area, but all over the world. They will come up against these difficult situations. And they will triumph over those situations, those difficulties, if they believe. That doesn't mean that they will get out of their problems, because right, even in their eventual deaths for the sake of Christ, right, the mountain of the permanency of death is overcome. Part of the difficulty when we read these verses is that we also don't quite understand what faith is, right? We, we tend to intellectualize faith, and we see it as understanding and affirming a certain list of ideas and, and doctrines. And some see faith, misreading the 11th chapter of Hebrews, as an actual spiritual substance, right? Hebrews 11 one says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen misinterpreting that word substance. Some people believe faith is an actual spiritual substance that just kind of exists out there. And some of our atheists and agnostic friends will see faith as blind acceptance of the ridiculous. I'm not saying we shouldn't understand what we believe. Biblical faith, though, is not a spiritual substance that when we speak activates spiritual laws to work on our behalf, nor is faith blind acceptance of the ridiculous. Brothers and sisters, faith is trust. When I, Shantae's parents, they have a swimming pool. And in the summertime, we like to take Isaac to the pool because he likes to swim. So what we do, we get him, we put suntan lotion all over him, you know, so he doesn't burn. And uh, we put a little uh, swimmy thingy on him. He goes around him, it clips in. You can put his arms through it and it's got a thing so he can kind of just bob in the water. But one of the things he likes to do is he likes to jump in. But he won't, he's not quite there where he'll just jump in all by himself. What he likes to do is I'll jump in first, and then I'll swim around to the edge, and then he'll take his hands and he'll put his hands out like this, and then I'll grab his little hands like this, and I'll go one, two, three. And as I'm holding his hands, he'll jump into the pool while I'm holding him. What does that show about our relationship? It shows that he trusts me, that as he jumps, I'm going to hold his little hands, and I'm going to make sure that he's going to be okay that after he, he does make that jump. If he didn't trust me, then he wouldn't jump to me. When we took our vacation to Florida, we flew down in an airplane, right? After we checked our bags, standing in line and going through security, all that stuff, we finally get on the plane, we get our seatbelts on, we get it ready to go. When we boarded the plane, we just sat down, and we were comfortable, and we took off. What does that entail on our part, brothers and sisters? Well, that entails trust, right? Trust that the pilot flying the plane has taken all of the required classes, has passed all of their exams, has logged the appropriate amount of hours for the type of the aircraft that they're going to fly. Trust that the maintenance crew has kept the plane in shape, that the engines are working, that the ailerons, that they all go up and down and left and right the way that they're supposed to, and that the, the cabin is in good shape. We trust that they are doing all of these things. Like when we drive our car and we slam on our brakes, we trust that all the mechanisms are going to work. 
And this is, I think, just practical examples, brothers and sisters, of what faith is, is trusting in Christ, trusting that even when we are faced with impossible opposition to the spread of God's kingdom, that God can and will remove the impossible if we have enough trust to ask him to do so. A friend of mine, Father Stephen DeYoung, he put it like this, faith is not a transaction that bestows certain benefits upon an individual human person. It is a way of living one's entire life as a good and faithful servant of the Lord who loved us and purchased us with his own blood. And as we spread the good news of salvation in Christ, when we come up against impossible obstacles, whether they be demonically inspired or empowered, if we even have the smallest amount of faith, trust in our Lord Jesus, then these obstacles have to be moved because the church, brothers and sisters, is advancing. And as Jesus tells us, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And so to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who makes the impossible possible for the spreading of his gospel. Be all glory together with the Father and the Holy Spirit now and forever. Amen. Thanks for listening to the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ. We pray that these sermons have been a blessing to you and we ask that you would help us out if you could. We are in desperate need of some major repairs. If you could go to a GoFundMe we've set up, gofundme.com slash save Zion Stone. If you could uh, go there and uh, donate towards uh, our needs, we would be greatly appreciative of that. Again, thank you so much for listening. I'm Pastor Mike Landsman. If you want to get a hold of me, you can reach out at malandsman at gmail.com or check us out on our Facebook page, Zionstone UCC, as well as our uh, website, zionstoneucc.com. God bless.